it is 10 minutes till when I'm supposed to be done. For you clock watchers, just let me, bro, you're killing me. So that you'll understand, I'm not even shooting for noon. We're going for walking out the door at 12.10. Deal? Like virtual high five? Nice. Okay. So I have never done that. It seems so stupid. Okay. Now, today's story comes from Joshua 2. It's the story of this rope. Have any of you seen the rope and wondered why it's there? Yeah. Raise your hand if you know why this rope is here. Oh, wow. That's like three more than 930. Uh, So uh, this rope has a significant part of today's teaching. Joshua chapter 2 then we, we find that Joshua has, given, has been given the leadership role of leading the people of Israel into the promised land. Same people that have seen the, the Red Sea part when they were hungry, they got manna. These are the same people that Moses walked down the mountain with, with the Ten Commandments, same people. These same people are just like us. What these folks do is when they're in need and their life is falling apart, they cry out, oh God, and there he is, and he comes and he bails them out again. And over the course of time, They forget or they just kind of wander away and they forget that God has been their provision like Bobby talked about. And so then they do their own thing and in the midst of doing their own thing, then crisis and trouble comes back into their life and they cry out, oh God, he comes in and bails them out again. And then over a quarter of time, we see it just keep happening. By the way, we are no different than the people of Israel. The same thing happens in our life. Oh God, I've got this health scare. Oh God. And somehow, some way, God does his thing and you realize it's not the end of the world here. And on the other end, you start for about three weeks. You say statements like this. How could anybody do that without a church? How could anybody do that without God? And then in about eight weeks later, you know what? They fall right back into the same pattern. Same thing, people of Israel, up and down, up and down, up and down. But I I am a firm believer that uh, while that may be normal in our human life, that God has given us the ability to have this one thing that keeps the roller coaster from happening all the time, and that is the, the term faith. Today, while we kick off this concept of becoming, I, I imagine this room is like the big room kickoff to a, to a month-long conference, and then we have breakout groups that will happen in both hours next week. Mine next week, by the way, is Relationships 101. How do you take a biblical perspective in, in relationships that you want to have already have or have burned. What do we do and how do we function in a practical way? So if you want to join me, I'm over in the fellowship hall at 9.30 or 11, which by the way, if you only come at 11, what that means is go there at 9.30. I know some of you think that should only happen once in a 24-hour period on Sunday, but 9.30, all right? It's going to be super cool, very practical. It'll be a lot of fun, actually. So you come join me. Anyway, so back here, here's what happens in Joshua 2. Um, you got this, got this problem happening here, which is this. The, uh, the people of Israel have to fight their way through the first city that's in their way, which is a unique city called Jericho. And like Zach talked about, Jericho, uh, Jericho's walls were round. The city was round. It held about 1,700 people in it. And inside the city, what was interesting was that the wall was extraordinarily wide. And on the northern part of the wall, it was so wide that houses were built into the city, right? I mean, into the wall. Can you see that? Can you get the match? You got this big circle with the wall around it, and, and it's, pretty, it's pretty formidable. And on the north side of the wall, the houses are actually built into the wall, so they have windows that you can see out of. Are you with me? And then in, Josh, in Joshua chapter 6, 
What happens is God tells those same people of Israel, based on what the two spies we're going to talk about today come back and say, he brings the people in and he does what God's told him to do with great faith, and he says, we're going to walk around the city in that circle, we're going to do it for seven days. We're going to do it every day for seven days. So week six, you've got to imagine, people are like, dude, I don't know why we're doing this, but this is stupid. I am not walking another day. And Joshua says, wait a minute, we're this close. We're just this one more day. That's all you get, one more day. Can you imagine how much whining was coming out of those people? I don't want to walk again. Why is the church making me do that? I don't understand why they do this. I mean, they're just whiners, man. And then Joshua's like, suck it up, people. We're walking another day. Seven times all the way around, the walls crumble. Boom. Now, how do we know this is what's going on? Well, in chapter 2, look with me. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute. Four times... We're told that's what she is, four times. So there's no mistake here. We kind of know who Rahab is, right? And listen, Rahab is who, she stayed, uh, who the spies stayed there that night. And in verse 2, but someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. And actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king, through the king's men, went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing those, th such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God in the heavens above the earth and below. Now watch this. Because Rahab's house was built in the wall, we see it in verse 15, because as we get down in verse 12, she says to them, swear that you will protect me and my family as I help you. And the two spies are like, we'll do that. You do your part, we'll do our part. And then this is where the rope comes in. So Rahab says, I'm going to drop out of my window on the wall so you can see this is where I'm from. This is Rahab. I want you to know this is me. When you start coming in and you're going to take care and wipe out the city, save the home behind the red rope, right? They asked me if I would climb this. You talk about a YouTube moment? Oh, my stars. We would have the roof fall in this bad boy. Plus, there's a noose up there. I don't want it to flip around. And so what happens here is this. It's fascinating. So seven times they walk, fall, the, 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 
the, the walls fall. But watch this. So about, about 40 years ago, and then about 15 years ago, archaeologists, non-biblical archaeologists, went to this site. They find this site, and they find all these ruins. And in the ruins, what they discover is it was a round city. And then they find how everything that's charred when they find it that could be charred. And they find that the, that the walls on the north side of the circle were spared, but all the other walls fell down. Well, guess what was on the northern part of the walls? Houses that were built into the wall. This is when Bible and science should never conflict. They should be a hand-in-glove experience because archaeologists who have no biblical accounting at all are saying this is what happened. And then we got involved with saying, but, but how could that have happened? And the answer is this. Well, it, it must have been an earthquake. I can live with that. God took the people of Israel, marched them around, seventh day, blow the horns, they shout, and the walls fall down. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, God created an earthquake. Why not, right? But then they say, but it had to have been of some divine power because an earthquake like that should have taken the whole city down. Why is it that the north part of the walls were relatively intact, showing houses that were in there? Well, I've got the answer. It was the red rope. God divinely stepped into this, and, and archaeologists even say this is what happened. But now watch this. This is a story of faith, not of destruction. It is a story of faith in the most unusual way. I look at this whole story, and I think to myself, wait a minute. Wasn't something about this mentioned in the New Testament too? All right, well, let's take a look at it. If you get over here in Hebrews 11, 30 through 31, listen to this. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 30. Let's go on. And the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute, again, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. The Bible tells us that these two spies were men of God that Joshua has separated, sent into the city of Jericho, and they are led to the home of a prostitute. And they make a deal with her. Now, I did a little figuring and I thought to myself, okay, if there's about 1,700 people that live in Jericho, Let's just assume, if you would, like a third of them were female, give or take. And then let's just say there's 700 women. Was there not a more appropriate woman for God to select who was like the person that wakes up every morning and does Jesus calling? And they take an Insta of a cup of coffee with a Bible verse on it and Jesus calling next to it with two colors of highlights and hearts drawn beside the scripture. Why didn't we pick her? Why didn't, or better yet, why didn't we ask the lady who always works in preschool and the kids throw up on her and she thinks it's good? Why didn't we pick her? I mean, goodness, didn't they have their version of like Rhonda McMahon, our, our kids pastor? Why didn't we pick her? She's sweet. I mean, really, how do you not love her? No. Why? Why would God choose to take this lesson on faith and let it come through this woman, Rahab, well, let me be clear. I, I am confident that in all the stories of scripture, we find this pattern. Think about this. God chose Moses, a Jew who had fled from Egypt for the desert of Midian because Moses was a murderer 
and killed an Egyptian. God chose Bathsheba, who engaged in an illicit affair with King David, and Bathsheba later gave birth to Solomon, who supervised the building of the first great temple in Jerusalem. God selected an ordinary shepherd by the name of David that became a man after God's own heart to become Israel's greatest and most powerful king. And he was, he was both a murderer and a cheater. God, select, God allowed his own son, Jesus, to be born of a young woman who had no money by the name of Mary in a humble little barn in a nowhere town. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know what? I, God didn't call me to do great things. That's for these people. Watch this. It would be the simple thing to do to pick the most religious person on the outside, wouldn't it? Like there are people in this room, like I'd expect those people to do stuff like that. But, but Rahab? I mean, come on, why her? Why would we go there? Because true faith in our God should impact our action. Somehow, we don't know how. We understand how the spies came to know God, but we don't know how Rahab came to know God. But we do know this, that when she got to this point in her life, her faith and her faith system and the God of her faith system, who is the same God of my faith system, she trusted God and welcomed those two people in, not for what she was, but for what she wanted to be. You see, to become a person of great faith, none of it is dictated on the action you've already done. It is all about the action that Jesus has already done for you. And Rahab received that. And she put that faith to work to survive. She said in verse eight, I know the Lord has given you the land. She didn't say, hey, it's possible. Hey, listen, if this thing works out, she didn't say, you know, the, I guess the worst possible condition. I mean, she said, I'm going to trust your God. I'm going to have faith in your God. Now watch this. When the Lord gives us this land, we will treat you kindly and faithfully. <laughs> this is the heartbeat of this month becoming you say, well, Chuck, how, how do I remain or how do I become a person of great faith? Well, we stop and recognize like Abraham, Rahab that if our faith remains only an intellectual exercise of something that we feel deeply about, then we have to question the validity and the authenticity of our faith. I mean, Rahab was a woman who demonstrated faith, but she didn't look godly. She didn't look Christianly. She didn't always act Christianly. And if you're like me, I look at that story of her and I think, wow, if there's room for her to have great faith, surely there's room for us to have great faith. I mean, if, if, if the inside changes, it has to change from something. True faith will avoid the panic and alarm and the drama of this life and get us into a point that we can deal with this. And you say, well, how, Chuck? To be able to trust God for our future. Today at two, I'm preaching the funeral of a four-week-old baby boy. And I sat in the office with this beautiful little couple the other day. And me and Rhonda and Beth, we sat there all blubbered, man. And we, 
those folks came to be encouraged in what they did is they came and they blessed us. And I said, y'all can't imagine the blessing that our small group, the Hudgens group has been to us. You can't imagine how uh, Rhonda has reached out and loved on us. And the question then was, how do people do it without this faith? And the answer is, they don't. We become people of great faith when we claim and hold on to God when the problems come our way. You see, to become a person of great faith, all we have to do is take a little simple formula and apply it to our life. And it's just three steps, so hang in there with me. The first one is to recognize that I was born into this life with a, with a God-shaped hole in my heart. I, I'm, not, I'm not where I need to be yet because the hole's still there. My heart is out of rhythm spiritually because there's a spiritual hole the size of God in my heart. I've got to fix that problem. And the, the answer to that problem is to take the gift that God has given us in his son, Jesus, and say, God, would you come in and fill that hole in my heart? You say, Chuck, if I knew how to do that, I'd do it right now. Then I'd say, okay, let's do that. Let this be your prayer right now. If that's your deal, let this be your prayer. Jesus, would you come into the hole in my heart? Would you fill it? Let my heart be full. I'm so glad you died for me. Because you didn't deserve it, I did. I want to thank you that you, you rose from that grave for me. That I might have life in abundance today and I might have life eternity forever. Jesus, I want you to come in and clean me up and forgive me. I want to turn my life around. I don't want to live for you for me anymore. I want to live for you. You see, that's that's the problem. It's already fixed because he's already done the work. All you've got to do is let him in. And then right after right, right after that problem, it's like God gets us on this path that, that gives us this weird process. And we're, we're all at different stages in the process. I mean, some of us have come through some horrific things in our life. There's some of us just in the thick of it right now. And there's some of us that have no idea what's coming, but I can promise you that when you fix the God-shaped hole in your heart, it's not that you escape all the problems, it's that you, you can be carried through them. But the process isn't easy. Faith is tested Faith is proved when you're in this process, you are having God himself carry you step by step by step. And when you cry out, God, I can't have it anymore. He picks you up and says, I know I've got you. You see, when you walk through that process after you've determined to let Jesus fix that problem, right on the other side is the promise of God. The promise says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you call on me, I'll always answer you. I will be the father to the fatherless. I will be who you run to in times of trouble. I will give you and grant you grace and mercy and peace because you fixed the problem. You trusted the process. And now you can celebrate in the promise friend, to become a person of great faith, 
Maybe you're a Rahab, maybe you're a spy, and maybe you're somebody walking around the city. But at the end of the day, God says, I've got you, I love you, you can do this, I've done this for you. I did this at 9.30 and I gotta tell you, I'm afraid to do it again. I just, this is what God told me to do, so I'm gonna do it. So if you're sitting here today and you said, Chuck, I'm that person today, and I want to ask God to come in and fill the hole in my heart. I'm not sure I know what all that means yet, but I'm telling you, I know I need that and I want that. If that's you today, stand up right now. Go ahead, stand up right now. I'm telling you, all it takes is somebody to stand up and say, yeah, dude, bless your heart, man. Yeah, dude, come on, that's good. Who else? Come on. Are you, yeah, are you done playing? You ready to do something that matters? You, you, you want to get in there? So y'all keep standing. It's, it'll encourage somebody else. Nobody over here would say, I need Jesus to come fill the hole in my heart. I want to get on his process. I want to trust his promises. Then I want to go to a second group. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years. And at the end of the day, you just say, you know what? I'm tired of playing. I need Jesus. I need to stop my process, get back on his process, because I want his blessing. I want his promise. Is that you today? Stand up. Is that you? I want to get back on that. I want, I want to head in the right direction. I want, I want my, this, let this be the greatest year of my life because I want to trust Jesus with it like I've never trusted him with. Is that you? God bless you. I want to say to y'all, that's gutsy. I'm telling you, man, that's gutsy. Good for you. Good for you. Just stay up for a minute. Good for you. Yeah. And you say, Chuck, why would, Why would you ask folks to stand up like that? Jesus had this great way of putting things clear for us. He said, you know, I'll confess you before the Father because you've confessed me. You've trusted me. And you know what we say outside? Doesn't really count until we know what's happened inside. From the outside, Rahab, she had no space in God's world. But God looked at her and said, it's my girl. We're about to do some promises on you, girl. She's on a mission. You know what the father was looking at her saying? That's my girl in whom I'm well pleased. She hadn't been a saint, but that's my kid. Let me tell you, friend, God looks at you today. and You have the guts to do this. You know, he says, "That's that's my daughter. That's my son. That's my child. Let's do this. You can do it because he promised you can do it. Let's stand and worship. Promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, church. Faithfulness. Oh, come on. Come on, church. In your hands. This is my confidence. Never
because that's what he does. Let the Lord go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And let that same Lord come behind you and pick you up in days that life is just beating you up. And let him pick you up and carry you not around the problem but through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead wrap his loving arms around him and hear him say face to face say it with me I love you folks get on this journey of becoming with us God bless you go in peace